You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason. Each month on our program, we take on one of four themes that are too big to ignore mental illness, suicide, incarceration, and homelessness. On today's episode, Mike Bros, CEO of Mental Health Association Oklahoma, and I are going to explore what happened in the small Oklahoma town of Wilburton after a cluster of suicides claimed the lives of young people and even a school teacher. Then we'll talk to Dr. Paul Quinette. Dr. Quinette is a clinical psychologist and president and CEO of the QPR Institute based in Spokane, Washington. The Institute is set on preventing suicides by teaching people a single question that saves lives from suicide. Are you thinking about killing yourself? Mike, tell me what do you hope to learn from today's interviews? You know, Matt, I, one of the things I really hope to learn is what, what exactly happened down in Wilburton? What were their experiences? What did the community do in response to what happened in the aftermath of these suicides? What was the reaction to the community? That's one of the things I really hope that we can explore today because we're always trying to learn for pointing the direction towards preventing it from happening never again. But Dr. Quinnett, I mean, I really have a lot of questions about just his development of the model, how he did it, how it's continued to spread. Uh, hopefully we can get into a little bit about how it's continued to really expand here in Oklahoma. So how can we learn from this? Also, how can we still continue to help and serve Wilburton and other communities? That's also a very big part of this. One of the, my favorite things that you say, Mike, is that one suicide is too many. Yeah, one suicide is too many because people don't realize in their own minds that these, whatever they're facing, can be addressed and solved or improved upon in a way that where that didn't have to be an option. But in their trapped in their minds without help, they don't see any other options. And all suicides are really preventable, but we're not going to eliminate suicide. But I think we can work and work more effectively where we have a lot fewer. So, yeah, that's one life. That's one father. That's one mother. That's one sister, brother, friend, neighbor. And those are big things that affect a lot of people. Okay, let's get started. The mental health download starts now. Dr. Alice Caldwell is a licensed mental health professional and a clinical psychologist. She has owned and operated a mental health facility in Wilburton and the surrounding area for many years. Dr. Caldwell is a resident of Wilburton with her husband, Brian Caldwell, who pastors a local country church there. Dr. Caldwell, can you just clarify for us uh, what a suicide cluster is? A suicide cluster is suicides that happen sequentially in a short period of time. First of all, we want to pass along our condolences to you and the community there. With Mental Health Association Oklahoma, we're all about doing everything we can to prevent suicide. And I wondered if you could take a little bit of time and just give us a little bit of history of that cluster, the timeline, who was involved, but anything we can learn that you could share with us, we'd greatly appreciate it. Okay, I'd be glad to. I think over the past couple of years has been really hard for this community. In a small town, rural areas, of course, they run a little different than larger towns because everybody knows everybody, and a lot of these people grew up together, and it's generational. So when this cluster of suicides happened, well, one was, a, of course, that was well-known. It was in the paper. She was a teacher. One of the girls specifically had grown up, of course, here in Wilburton and was well-known and well-liked. It was a surprise. And I don't think suicide necessarily has an age preference. Of course, it's saddened when it happens to someone young, but even a middle-aged or elderly person, it just doesn't have a preference. 
when you hear details of a suicide, it's almost as if you don't know exactly what all of those details that you need to take in. Because in a small town, you can start at one end and they say one thing, and by the time you get to another, the story may be completely different. Right. The rumors and trying to control rumors, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And that's very difficult it at is. times. I mean, even even in large towns, it's difficult as well. When communication is one of the hardest things we as humans do. Yes. And what uh, <laughs> what was the response of the community there in the aftermath of this cluster? It was very sad and it was very humbling. You know, I can't speak for everybody, but I can tell you what I saw. I saw a community coming together and really supporting the families. I saw the families struggling, but the quietness of it, it's very difficult for families to talk about, especially when everybody knows everybody. It's very difficult to reach out and talk with someone, especially a professional in the field. They may talk to their family members or they may just keep it all inside. And the ones that keep it all inside are the ones that, you know, you just don't know, are they going to be the next? Because statistics show that if one person and the family commit suicide, it is very likely that the probability of someone else in that family will do also, especially with siblings. And I think that there's still some things out there, especially the ones that reached out for professional help, that they were able to be successful in going through their grieving. You know, it's been our experience, Dr. Caldwell, that in the aftermath of a suicide that a lot of times the faith community can also have a collaborative role with mental health response. And I know your husband's a pastor there in that area. Uh, did you see that uh, as a part of the recovery and resilience that you referenced there uh, from the faith community and communities there? Oh, absolutely. The Ministerial Alliance is definitely one of those grand supporters in this area. And I can't speak more highly of their efforts. They see a need and they try to fill a need. And they're just amazing group of people. It was, there was many opportunities in town where the Ministerial Alliance and the local churches they run at the time, there was a free clinic. And they had suicide education, suicide prevention material. There were people, local uh, mental health professionals would come down and volunteer their time for people who, you know, they didn't necessarily need to be a client They just, if they just needed to talk. We can't ignore this, right, Dr. Caldwell? We've got to, we've got to no. be, have the courage to talk about it. And it sounds like you're do, you guys there in Wilburton are doing a fantastic job of trying to do that. And of course, we've done the QPR training, question, persuade, refer, uh, educating mm -hmm. people how to lay people how to ask the question. Uh, are you thinking about uh, harming yourself or killing yourself? And then yeah. uh, how to persuade them to get the help that they need and then uh, where to refer them. You know, it's interesting because in a big city like Tulsa, sometimes people really mm -hmm. struggle. They don't know where to refer, but in a small community like Wilburton, where everybody, a lot of people know each other, it may be easier actually to make referrals. Is that is that even uh, possible in that in in your community there? Are you saying it's easier to make referrals in a small town? Is that what you're asking? Well, me? I'm saying that they, in terms of people know each other, they know where to go. They know you. Uh, they know your husband. They know the police chief. They know the sheriff. Uh, uh, they know the clergy. They know where to go. Where sometimes people get lost well, in a big city. Yeah, there you go from awareness to acceptance. They may know where to go, which is awareness, but will they actually do it? 
some people are shamed. You know, there may be some cultural things that come into play. And so reaching out for help for someone to stand up and actually say, I need help and I'm going to go here and I'm not going to be shamed or bullied or discredited or fired from my job because I want to get help. There's that fear. Yeah, you've really cited on just the what you described there is kind of that taboo, uh, secrecy, embarrassment, shame. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, hey, that's true in a small town like Wilburton. It's uh, pretty active in Oklahoma City and Tulsa and the metro areas. Same things. Sure. It's a cultural thing. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. one of the things we teach a lot of times with our young people is we'll say it's the secret you can't keep. And, you know, we know young people keeping secrets. And we know that a lot of times they approach uh, the situation by saying, I want to tell you something, but you can't tell anybody. And then suddenly what comes out, they're uh, <laughs> thinking about hurting themselves or killing themselves. And uh, we cannot thank you enough. We want to also just congratulate and celebrate your leadership there. Uh, in you. When bad things happen, leaders have to step up. And uh, you and, and it sounds like your husband and others have certainly done that there. And we want you to know the Mental Health Association of Oklahoma wants to continue to be a partner and want to be a resource to you to, for you to call on us anytime you need it. But as we Absolutely. wrap up, I'll just give you one uh, kind of last closing thought. What sort of advice in closing or, or thoughts would you share? with our listeners that you would like uh, them to hear? Do not be afraid to reach out and just ask somebody. Reach out to a professional and just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be anything that's threatening or feeling like you're going to get shamed. You are your best advocate, and no one's going to take care of you better than you. And there are people out there, whether in a small town or a large city, that is willing to confidentially assist and with no worry or no fear. Be your own advocate and get help. Those are lessons hard learned, and you guys have done wonderful work there. And again, we we look forward to further dialogue with you in the future and uh, with your community there in Wilburton. And, um, and thank you so much for joining us on the uh, Mental Health Download. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all have a blessed day. In the aftermath of the Wilburton suicide cluster, Mental Health Association Oklahoma presented a free QPR session at the First Baptist Church in Wilburton. Dr. Paul Quinette is the founder of the suicide prevention method known as QPR. QPR stands for Question, Persuade, and Refer. It is often referred to as the mental health version of CPR. QPR is a simple gatekeeper training designed to teach anyone how to recognize the warning signs of a suicide crisis. Dr. Quinette, welcome to the Mental Health Download. Thank you. Glad to be here. Dr. Quinette, today we're, we're talking about this suicide cluster in Wilburton, Oklahoma, this tiny mm-hmm. town. What are the unique challenges that rural communities face when it comes to suicide? Well, uh, it's interesting you ask because I have a meeting, uh, interview coming up in a few minutes with the U.S. Farm Report. And as everybody ought to know, if they watch the headlines, our farm communities are in crisis already just with the tariffs and the falling soybean prices and corn and poultry and pork, everything is going downhill quickly. And we've had a long history of uh, threats to the rural community through farm and ranch families suffering from these economic uncertainties. And I come from an Iowa farm family, so I grew up partly on a farm. And and, uh, we should, as a nation, be enormously concerned about what's happening and about to happen in our farm communities. And and the and the problem, uh, and I don't know what happened in in Wilberton, but I I can tell you that 
the there's few resources available. Uh, not, but it's not just the lack of mental health services. It's the it's the uh, difficulty and challenge that farmers, particularly male farmers, have in in seeking help because they're like the the they're the John Wayne of America in terms of their their ability to care for their families and their animals and earn a living and stand proud in their communities and all that. And, and when you force them into these sort of unbelievable uh, financial crises in particular, that's the most a lot of it's coming from that, raising interest rates on their short-term loans. And it's creating, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but my point is that all of rural America is, uh, suicide rates are highest in rural America, services are lowest, and we don't have a clear plan supported by, uh, outside of a few states, Colorado is doing some work on this, but we need to help places like Farm Aid, and we need, a, we need to, to train the people in the field now that are there on the ground, the, the advocates, the social service networks, the physicians that, that treat uh, farmers and their families. And we, we need family support. Um, we need social service supports. And we need all those people trained in the recognition of, of suicide warning signs and how to intervene quickly. And we need to train the social network around farmers. Okay, so who is that? Who do they have frequent contact with? And you know, it's their bankers, implement dealers, the, the fertilizer salespeople. You know, the uh, there's all kinds of people all around farmers that need to be trained. You know, I always like to say, well, we'll never have enough mental health professionals. We have to, just like <clears throat> with CPR, the whole idea about it. We'll never have enough people on site that can intervene and from a professional standpoint. So you have to train lay people how to ask that question. We really try to communicate that all the time. We need the help of the of the lay public to help us save lives. Has that sort of been the a part of that journey that with QPR? Very much so. I, I early on I linked the QPR concept and and the three-step piece to CPR. That was a very deliberate move because we have a great deal more research on effectiveness of CPR training, which is to train lay citizens to respond to cardiac uh, events in the public place, trained in symptom recognition and then exactly what to do and when to do it and how quickly and at what pace and so forth. And the evidence for CPR's effectiveness is, is really quite overwhelming. If you have a heart attack in Oklahoma City or in New York or Chicago or uh, Miami or someplace, pretty much any major city in the U.S., your odds of surviving a heart attack outside of a hospital is about oh, 4 to 6%, maybe 8%, but it's below 10% pretty much in any major city, and it's lower than that around the world in most major metropolitan areas. What raises your chances of survival is the odds, the probability that a bystander recognizes you're in crisis and applies CPR and dials 911 to get a EMT on site as quickly as possible. And so if you look at cities who have focused on training citizens in CPR, there's some cities where the rates are of uh, survival rates are higher and they're particularly high in one city and county in the US and they're so dramatically higher that other cities are launching I think in like DC and some other places are trying to improve the number of citizens trained and raise that number and I won't keep people suspended the the survival rate for suicide in Seattle Washington King County is 62% tenfold chance of surviving a suicide event in Seattle because one in four adults has been trained in CPR. 
Dr. Quinnett, I'm, I'm curious. One of the most monumental things that have happened lately as far as suicide awareness have been the very public deaths by suicide of celebrities, including Robin Williams, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, among many others, sadly. When these events do happen, what is your reaction to those very public events? Well, they're very tragic losses to our culture and our communities. And I was a huge fan of Anthony Bourdain. So to me personally, it's been a a staggering loss. And and I know that retrospectively, we can all say, well, gee, let's just go back and, and try to reconstruct what happened and what didn't happen. And my concern, you know, is that if there were people around them who might have been trained or were trained and had an opportunity to observe their personal situation and any crises they might have been in or what was happening in their lives. You know, my hope would have been that someone could have leaned in and 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 tried to help them and get them into care. And the sad truth is that most mental health professionals have not had adequate training in suicide prevention. They have not had training in suicide risk detection, assessment, management, or treatment. And that deficit is so great globally and and here in the U.S., the only people that have had any specific training typically are psychiatrists. Uh, And I'm a psychologist, and I know that in our graduate schools, probably less than 50% of the psychologists who graduate every year have any training in this area of practice. So the, the safety net is much different in the chain of survival in a suicide crisis because when you arrive at treatment, you're not at a crackerjack cardiac unit with a well-trained team. You arrive at a place where people may or may not have any adequate training. Uh, let me tell you, suicide is a difficult subject to talk about, and uh, it, it's not it's not easy. I often ask my doctor students, uh, I'll say, which would you rather do? do a digital rectal examination, a DRE, or ask the patient about suicide. (laughs) And they often will say, well, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather do a DRE than than ask about suicide. (laughs) I don't know how to respond if they Uh, say yes. I'm I'm going with answer B personally, but, you know, I'm not a medical professional, though. Yeah, Yeah, but, but you're now comfortable in doing it. See, and when your comfort in doing that intervention and talking about that candidly and understanding that and being compassionate about it and empathetic about it and and trying to get with the patient on how badly they're feeling so you've already you've already crossed the divide in terms of your your therapeutic alliance and your ability to help that person find a way forward and it's just uh, it's a huge challenge uh, but I'm seeing progress and I'm I'm pleased about that I Hope we don't have to pass laws all across the country to get people to get this training, but it may be necessary. Dr. Quint, this has been an incredibly fascinating conversation with you, and we are so privileged and honored to have you as a part of our uh, Mental Health Download podcast. Uh, what what advice or direction, uh, words of encouragement would you provide to us as we as we close out this? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have anything. I, I, what I tagline my email correspondence with is uh, closing the gap between what we know and what we do. And we know what to do. We have our marching orders. And my, my thing is that we have, to, we have to train thousands to save one, you know, and we need to train millions to save thousands each. But I, I believe that we can do anything in this country with the will to do it and, and using tools that are safe and effective. And um, and I think we all should take some pride when we're able to intervene and save a life. I mean, you don't get that opportunity very often. 
we are totally dedicated to it, and your words of closing there and advice are fantastic, and we are we are right there with you, and we're going to continue the work here in Oklahoma, and we're going to continue to train people uh, to do QPR and continue to provide opportunities for people to come in and, and be trained, and we cannot thank you enough. This has been a great honor for Matt and for me. Okay, thanks so much, uh, Matt and Mike, and uh, take care. All right, bye-bye. Thank you to Dr. Caldwell and Dr. Quinnett for joining us today. If you're interested in setting up a QPR session for your community, email Mental Health Association Oklahoma, info at mhaok.org. Our program was produced today by the ever-fabulous Corbin Pierce. The Mental Health Download is distributed by Mental Health Association Oklahoma. Okay, go do good things.